Alpha and Omega. We thank you that you are truly our way and there is no one like you. We thank you that you are the king above all kings and you are the Lord above all lords. We thank you that you are the creator of heaven and earth. That you are the God who loves us with an everlasting love. You're the God where there is no condemnation found for those who are in you. You're the God who woken us up this morning, Father God. You're the God who has opened blind eyes and deaf ears and caused the lame to walk, the dead to rise. You're the God who has turned water into wine. The God who said peace to the storm and peace fell upon the storm. You're the God who was in the lion's den with Daniel. You're the God who was with the three Hebrew boys in the fiery furnace. You're the God who raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. You're the God who said to Mary, there is nothing that's too hard for the Lord. You're the God who impregnated Sarah after she was barren for 90 years, Lord God. You're the God of the impossible. You're the God who took your children out of Egypt into the promised land. That's who you are. And this morning we count it such a privilege to come into your presence, to sing songs of worship unto you, to pray to you. And now we've come to the point of the service where we are hearing your word. And we pray, mighty God, that you'll open every single heart and every single spirit. And it caused us to be receptive to hear from you this morning, Heavenly Father. I pray, Lord, that you will use me to communicate the truth of your word to your people. I pray that you will decrease me to nothing and you will increase to everything. I pray that your Shekinah glory shall fall in this place, mighty God. Pray that your spirit will be activated and be felt, holy God. We pray your Holy Spirit will just fill this place, Lord God. Touch every single one of us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us in a brand new way. Father, do what only you can do this morning. Receive all glory, receive all honor, and receive all praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We thank God, and it's again such a privilege to be able to stand before you and to bring God's word. And what an amazing service we've had so far. So thank you to Minister Sam and to Pastor Nana and also to Minister Nikki and the TBC Choir for leading us so powerfully in worship. Let's give them a hand. There's something special about worship because the Bible tells us that in his presence there is fullness of joy and at his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. But the Bible also says that he inhabits in the praises of his people. So when we praise God, the Bible tells us that God inhabits. So if he inhabits, that means there must be pleasure, there must be joy, there must be freedom. Because the Bible also tells us where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom. So it's impossible to come into God's house and to experience the worship we've experienced this morning and to go home the same way, according to the word of God. And if we are going to live according to the word as Christians, we should. We need to activate God's word and understand your word tells me. That you inhabit in the praises of your people. So you are here. And it also tells me that when you are here, there is freedom, there is liberty. So God, I cannot be bound. I must be free. Because you are here. And the victory truly belongs to you. 
So let's just give a hand to our young children as they go to Sunday school. Our future leaders. Our future pastors and teachers and apostles. Our government officials. Our head teachers. Our chancellors. Our people make developments in the medical field. In the areas of science. Our young people are going to change the world and turn this world upside down. Who are going to rewrite history and change the way people see young black people in this country. Let's give them a good God bless you as they go. Amen. Amen. So our theme this morning is the Holy Spirit, the giver of power. We understand that um, this year our theme is encounter the power of the Holy Spirit. And in our first quarter, we are looking at this question, who is the Holy Spirit? And of course, the Holy Spirit is many things. And we heard last week with Pastor Steve that he is the lifter of our head. And we heard so many things even in the first month of who the Holy Spirit is through the men who have stood before us. But today I want us to look at the Holy Spirit as the giver of power. So thank you very much to Jude who read our scripture this morning. And we understand that this scripture was read or taken place when Jesus is just about to ascend into heaven. So he's fulfilled his purpose. He's fulfilled his mandate. And now his earthly um, existence is coming to an end. And he is reminding, not telling the disciples of what is going to happen. Because we understand in the book of John chapter 14, he gives them the promise of the Holy Spirit. And he's telling them, my time is coming to an end. So even before he's been crucified, my time is coming to an end. But don't worry, brothers. Don't worry, sisters, because I am sending another helper. I am sending the comforter. I am sending the advocate who will be with you. And he will remind you and teach you all the things that I have taught you. And we know the story moves on to Jesus ends up being crucified. But of course we know that's not how the story ends. Because three days later he comes back to life and he wins the victory. After that he walks on earth for another 40 days walking with his disciples, teaching them a bit more. We get to this point now where he tells them, my time has finally come and I will be ascending into heaven. But brothers and sisters, don't worry because you are about to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So if we look at the verse of scripture that Jude has read for us, it starts by saying, but you will receive power. The word will is a very short word. But it's a word that's full of meaning. Because when we hear the word will, it denotes a confidence and understanding that something is definitely going to happen. Jesus does not say to them, you might receive power. He doesn't say, maybe you're going to receive power. He says, you will receive power. So that meant disciples had an understanding that this is definitely going to take place. Yes, we may be fearful. Yes, we may not know what's ahead of us, but we know we will have power. We don't know what's going to take place, but one thing we do know is that we will have power. And the great thing about this is that this power was not just reserved for the apostles. Every Christian has power. 
So we may not know what Monday is going to throw at us at work. We may not know what Tuesday is going to throw at us in school or university. We may not know what Wednesday is going to throw at us at home. But one thing we do know is that we have power. So it doesn't matter what life throws at us. It doesn't matter what will come our way. We have power. And why do we know that? Because Jesus is not a man that he will lie. There's no lies in him. There's no sin in him. So if he has given us a very clear instruction that we will receive power, we need to hold on to that instruction. So he says you will receive power. And the great thing about power is that when you have power, you shouldn't be fearful or afraid. It's impossible to have power but also be afraid. That It's an oxymoron. It does not work. Do you think there's anything Donald Trump is afraid of right now? Do you think he was afraid of that impeachment? Do you think there was anything in him who, that thought he was going to be found not guilty? There was probably nothing in him. Why? Because he has an understanding that he is the most powerful man in the world. So why should he fear? If we have power, we should not fear. In my work context, I don't go to work scared. There's no way I'm going to be scared of a child. When I'm in the classroom, I have the power in that classroom. And the 30 students in that classroom know I have the power. So they do what I want them to do. When I want them to do it, in the way I want them to do it. If they were here, they would vouch for you. Because they understand in this situation, Mr. Douglas has the power. So why should I be afraid? There is no reason for me to be afraid. And as Christians, we must understand that we should not fear anything in life. Nothing life throws at us should make us be fearful and should make us be afraid. Why? Because we are walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul puts it perfectly to Timothy. He says to him, for God has given us not the spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love and self-control. David puts it perfectly in Psalms 27 verse 1. He says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Then he poses a question, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? If we have received power from the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters, why is there fear and worry and tremble in our life? It's the power of the Holy Spirit that separates us from those in the world. Yes, we will face similar circumstances and situations, but it's the Holy Spirit that lives within us that should cause us not to be afraid. I don't know how I'm going to pay my rent this month, but I am not afraid. Why? Because I have power. I'm having problems in my marriage. I am not fearful. Why? Because I have power. I don't know how I'm going to put food on my table. I am not afraid. Why? Because I have power. We can't have power and be afraid. It doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. So then what is power? Power is the ability or capacity to do something or act in a particular way. Or another definition is the capacity or ability to direct or influence the behavior of others or the course of events. 
So if we are Christians and if we have power, we are then saying that the Holy Spirit has given us the ability to do something or act in a particular way. And in the context of the Christian, that means to be holy and righteous. So the Holy Spirit has given us that ability and capacity to live according to his word, to be holy and righteous. But not just that, also the capacity or ability to direct and influence the behavior of others or the course of events, to be salt and light. As Christians, God has given us the power to influence this world. He's given us the power to do signs and wonders. He's given us the power to turn this world upside down. And right now we're in a time where the church is under the influence that has no power. But my Bible reminds me that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the God who demonstrated his power in the early church is still willing and able to demonstrate his power now. But he is looking for a church. He is looking for a body who's going to say, Lord, we want to encounter your spirit so we can walk with power. We want to influence the world. We want to change the world. We want to have a positive impact on this world. We want to see gun and knife crime come to an end. We want to see fewer of our children excluded from schools. We want to see the kingdom of God expanded. We want to see people come to faith. We want to see less drug addicts. We want to see less single mothers and single fathers. We want to see less domestic abuse. We want to see this world in line with the gospel. And we want power God in order to do it. We are his hands and his feet. And he has given us the opportunity to have power. But for some reason, we are not operating in that power. We understand that the Holy Spirit is the giver of power. Because the rest of the reading goes on to tell us that the Holy Spirit will come upon us. So what's great about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit is not something that walks side by side with us. The Holy Spirit is not a person that is abstract or far away from us. The Holy Spirit resides in every single one of us as a believer. Because that's what Jesus says. He says the Holy Spirit will come upon you. He doesn't say he's going to walk side by side with you. He doesn't say he's going to be something that's far away that you have to reach. He's saying the Holy Spirit will come upon you. So every single one of us as believers have the Spirit of God within us. So what that does mean, it means we have power within us. So it's not a fact that we don't have the power. The fact is we are not activating the power. Because the power is right there. We just need to activate it.
That's what it's like as a Christian. When we don't walk in the power of God, we end up doing things in our own flesh. And we end up straining. And it gets difficult and harder. And we don't understand why things don't go well. And we don't understand why we are falling ill. And things are going wrong. It's because we are up. Power that's been given to us. That's the reality. God is there. His spirit is upon us. But we are not activating that power because we think we can do things in our own strength. We are living in a time where everything is so accessible. Anything you want to know, you go onto Google within 10 seconds, less than 10 seconds, you, less than 10 seconds, you can have that information. So we're living in a time and in a world in the West where we feel like we no longer need God because I can do all bad by myself. But I am telling you, if we want to see revival come to the church, revival is not going to come without the power of the Holy Spirit. Because the reality is without God, we can have praise and worship. And it will sound good. Without God, someone can lead prayer. And it will sound articulate. Without God, someone can read the scripture. The reality is without God, someone can stand here and preach the word. And people will say hallelujah and amen. But if we want to see a revival, we need to increase our expectation. And understand the only way we're going to see revival is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because as humans, we're articulate, we're intelligent. There's things we can do of our own accord. But that should tell us, imagine what we could do if we truly activated the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why the disciples were able to change the world. That's why they could bring a word and thousands of people would get saved. That's why they could lay hands on the sick and they were healed because of the power of the Holy Spirit. We need that power. And we have the ability to have it because the Holy Spirit has come upon us. We also understand from this verse that power is received for a purpose. God does not just give power willy-nilly. It has a specific purpose attached to it. And here we see that the purpose of the power that Jesus gives to the apostles at this point in time is to be a witness for Christ. He understands that you cannot truly be my witness without my power. So I am going to give you my power so then you can be a witness for me. The Holy Spirit gives us power to be a witness for Christ to ourselves and onto others. What we must understand, brothers and sisters, that the power received by the Holy Spirit is the tool we need in order to be witnesses for Christ. The power received by the Holy Spirit is our tool for employment. So, for example, it's my lesson plan. It's whatever job you have. Imagine your power as from the Holy Spirit is your tool to be a witness. For example, a builder cannot turn up at someone's house without his tools and expect to do the work that he or she needs to do. It's the stethoscope for the doctor. It's the football boots for the footballer. Whatever you need for your employment, 
It's your boxing gloves, brother. Whatever you need for your employment, that is the Holy Spirit for us as a Christian witness. Because if I go to work tomorrow and have not planned my lessons, there'll be 30 children in front of me saying, what's going on? If I'm not prepared. So whatever we do for a living, we make sure come Monday, we are adequately prepared to carry out our job. Because if we're not, our boss is not going to be best pleased with us. But what we need to understand that as whenever we leave our house and, and we are in our house, the power of the Holy Spirit is our tool to be a witness for Christ. And he is our first employer. Before any boss in the secular world, he is our first employer and he has given us a mandate to be his hands and his feet, to be salt and light, to be his witnesses and that can only come with the tools of employment which is the power of the Holy Spirit. It cannot be done without it. So it's the tools of our employment. It is what is necessary to complete the task to be a witness for Christ. But then there's a question we must ask ourselves. If you are not a witness for Christ to ourselves and to others, we must ask ourselves, why not? In the book of 2 Corinthians verse 6, verse 4 to 7, this is what the Apostle Paul says. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness of the right hand and for the left. So my question is, like Paul, are we able to commend ourselves? Are we demonstrating the power of the Holy Spirit through our ability to endure and demonstrate the character of God in difficult circumstances? Do we only demonstrate God's character when it's easy? Do we only love those who love us? Do we only show kindness to those who are kind to us? Or are we able when calamities come, when hardships come, when afflictions come, still able to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit? And one thing is charismatics we do. Whenever we hear the Holy Spirit, we go straight to the gifts of the Spirit. We think about speaking in tongues, prophesying. But the Bible tells us in Galatians there's also a fruit of the Spirit. And not many times we think about the fruit of the Spirit. We want to speak in our tongues, but we don't want to be kind to our brothers and sisters. But the reality is that the Spirit is a holistic thing. And I'm not here just saying I want, we want to have power so we can lay hands on the sick and be healed. But no, we want to have power just so we can love our neighbor. We want to have power just so we can demonstrate self-control in difficult situations. We want to have power so we can be kind to those who are not kind to us. If we have no power... We need better tools. We need to activate our tools. If we have no power, perhaps we need to go on some continuing spiritual development. Within the workplace, we'll have an understanding of the term CPD. Continuing professional development. 
And if there's an area of development at work, your boss might say to you, there's this course I think will be beneficial for you to go on. Or if you demonstrate to them you would like to move in a particular direction, they will say, great, go on this course for some professional development. And what does that do? It positions you in the best place to take on that future role or promotion. But I believe this morning that we can do with some CSD, some continuing spiritual development courses. Perhaps we need to observe some other people who walk in power. Maybe our nearest and dearest are also not walking in power, hence why we are not walking in power. Maybe we need to reassess our friendship groups and begin to walk with people with power. Maybe we need to reassess what we're watching on television and watch things that are going to give us power. Maybe we need to reassess what we are listening to and listen to things that are going to give us power. If as a church we are saying we want a revival and we want to see the kingdom of God come on earth as it is in heaven. It needs people who are continuing to develop their spirituality. Why? So they have more power. Pastor Kingsley can have as much power as he wants. He is one man. Pastor Dan can have as much power as he wants. He's one man. Same for Pastor Steve. However, revival takes a church to be walking in power, not a reliance upon the leadership. The early church did not just rely upon the apostles. There was power throughout and people walking in their purpose because they understood the power of God. So what might this continuing spiritual development be? Perhaps we should start with prayer and fasting. Maybe that's something that we need to be doing more of as individuals. And as a church, because I believe prayer and fasting are the continuing spiritual developments that can activate the power of the Holy Spirit, which is inside every single one of us. And the reality is, if it was good enough for Jesus, it should be good enough for every single one of us. Because in Luke chapter 4, when he is tempted, even before he is tempted, the Bible tells us that he was full of the Holy Spirit. And then he was led by the spirit into the wilderness. And then he was tempted by the devil. And one may argue that actually if he was not full of the spirit, he may have not passed that temptation. And some of the reasons why some of us are falling into temptation time and time and time again, because we are not full of the spirit, therefore we have no power to overcome what the world throws at us. Because we're not praying. Because we're not fasting and we just expect that things are just going to work in our favor. It's like having a car. You can have the nicest car in the world. But if you do not take that car to the petrol station, it will, it will, it will be the nicest car, but it has no power. It will be outside your drive with no petrol in it and there's nothing you can do. Apart from people admiring it, it cannot fulfill its purpose. Why? Because it doesn't have its power. So if it was good enough for Jesus to pray... And to fast, it should be good enough for every single one of us. Luke 4 verse 14 tells us that Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And a report about him went through all at the surrounding country. So he was full of the Spirit before he prayed and fasted. And he was full of the Spirit afterwards. And then he was able to fulfill his purpose. 
Another thing about power is that in the wrong hands, it can be dangerous. Sometimes we want power, but we are not interested in doing what is necessary in order to receive the power or look after the power. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 1 to 2 reminds us that if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. So there are those who want the power, but they're not willing to love. They want the status, but they're not willing to look after others. They want the fame, they want the fortune so they can lord it over other people but they are not willing to do the basics of demonstrating love. And Paul is very clear here. You can speak as many tongues as you want. You can lay hands on whoever you want. But if you do not have love, in the reality, you don't have power. Pastor Steve last week spoke about Simon the sorcerer. And he was exactly the same. We read about him in the book of Acts chapter 8 verse 18 to 22. He saw what the apostles were doing. He saw what Peter was doing. And he was like, I want some of this. I want some of this. I, I, I want to get involved in this. But his motivation to get involved was unpure. His motivation wasn't to see the kingdom of God expanded but for his own self-gratification and his own fame and his own fortune. He was looking inwards, thinking about himself rather than the body of Christ. And we understand that actually that is not why God gives us power. Of course God gives us power to speak in tongues and to lay hands on ourselves. I'm not disputing any of that. But according to this scripture, Jesus is very specific about power being given so you can be my witnesses. So we understand that power is given to us for a purpose, to be witnesses of Christ. And that means we must look outwards. As a church and as a body, we have a responsibility to look outwards. If we are going to be Jesus' witnesses, we must be outward looking. Again, in the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, this is what um, Apostle Paul says in verses 1 to 5. He says, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. Why? The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. 
it's great to speak in tongues. But the reality is when you speak in tongues, you are not edifying the church. But power has been given to us to edify the church. Therefore, our prayer should not stop. At Lord, give me the ability to speak in tongues. Our prayer should go one step further. Lord, you know what? Give me the ability to prophesy tongues. So when I come to church and people are speaking an unknown tongue, I can prophesy what's being said so the church will be edified. So that person who is unchurched and doesn't understand what speaking in tongues means can be in, can join in to the service. And that's what revival is going to take. It's going to take us coming out of our comfort zone and doing things a bit less ordinary and actually saying, God, we are fed up with the status quo. We don't just want to speak in tongues. We want to see those tongues interpreted. We want to see people prophesy. We want to see your body be edified in every single way. We want to be different. Revival and power only comes when the church looks outward, outwards. In the early church, the book of Acts is full of examples of when the church made sure there was no one in lack, no one in need. Everyone had. Those who had more gave to those who had less. So there is no reason if the power of the Holy Spirit is flowing through Trinity Baptist Church, there should be no one here who has any form of need. No one at all. If there is need, the supply for that need should be within the body. Because we are operating in power. And when we are operating in power through the Holy Spirit, we are led to do some things that are extraordinary. We are led to give a larger offering. When we operate in power, we have the spirit of discernment. So we are able to discern on a Sunday afternoon that actually there's a family that might be going home and they're not going to be able to feed themselves this afternoon. So you know what? Let me just give them something at the end of the service so they can go home and have a family meal. That's what it means to operate in power. To be discerning. To want to know the needs of God's people. And not just be satisfied in coming here from 10 to 12.30, singing songs, hearing the word and going home. That is not power. That's not what the early church did. We are in a time where we need to do more. God is wanting us to do more. There is a world out there that is relying on us to do more. Because guess what? They are turning to every other thing in order to be satisfied. Not knowing that there is a church a body of believers in Jesus Christ who have the answer and have the power. But we are sleeping. The church is sleeping. I'm not saying Trinity Baptist Church is sleeping. I'm saying the church worldwide is sleeping. How can the greatest evangelist that ever walked on this earth in the modern era, his son, want to come to this nation and be told you cannot preach in certain venues and have to go home? And the church has done nothing about it. Nothing about it. Billy Graham's son wants to do a crusade in the United Kingdom. And he is told by authorities, you cannot do it in these certain venues. Power says, you know what? Minister, come to this place. Come and bring your crusade here. 
but our minds are so small because we believe that to operate as Christians, everything needs to be within a church context. However, what we need is some men and women of God who work at Wembley Stadium, who work at the Emirates, who work at the Tottenham Stadium or the London Stadium or Old Trafford and can sit in a meeting and say, actually, I think it will be a good idea for this man to come and hold his crusade here. But because we are not operating in power and we do not have people in those places of authority, the church is sleeping. But God is wanting us to be in every area of society. We need politicians. We need people in education. We need lawmakers and law enforcers. We cannot just have pastors. Pastors are great, but the church is not going to move forward if we just have pastors. And if everyone wants to be a pastor or a worship leader and hold a mic and stand on this platform, the church is not going to grow and everyone sees this as their stage and their platform. Everywhere we go is our stage and our platform. When you're on the bus, that is your stage and your platform. When you're in Croydon Market, that is your stage and your platform. When you're in work, that is your stage and your platform to be a witness of Jesus Christ. And in some ways, that's a greater stage or platform. Because this platform is only reserved for people who will speak to people who come in. But we all have platforms outside where actually we're engaging in people who may not necessarily come in. So that is a greater stage than this stage. So we must look outwards. Jesus finishes by stating where he wanted his apostles to be witnesses. He says to them, start in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So what does that mean for us? Let's start in Croydon. Let's begin to do things less ordinary in Croydon. And be witnesses of Jesus in our local community. But let's not stop there. Let's move to Mitcham. Let's move to Sutton. Let's move to Brixton, to Streatham. But we won't stop there. We'll go across the river. We'll go to Tottenham. We'll go to Hackney. We'll go to Shoreditch. And we'll go around the whole of this nation and this world. With the power of the Holy Spirit. My prayer for every single one of us today is that we will begin to activate the power of the Holy Spirit that is inside every single one of us. And we will remove every limit in our mind of what God can use us to do and what he indeed can do. Because I believe we've come to a place where we're just satisfied. We're complacent. We're okay with the status quo. But God wants a bride that is passionate for him. God wants a bride that is seeking him. God wants a bride that wants to see this world turned upside down for him. And it's going to take us to begin to activate the power that we understand is already inside every single one of us. It's tangible. 
It's real. We just need to increase our faith. Because the Bible tells us without faith it's impossible to please God. And we need, we need to, I, I, I cannot extend that point enough, we need to increase our faith. Because we're living in a time that needs Jesus. That needs him. So much. We have him. We can't be selfish with him. So in closing, remember that power is the ability or capacity to do something or to act in a particular way. Or the capacity or ability to direct or influence the behavior of others or the course of events. Let's be people who influence other people's behavior. Let's be people who influence the chain of events in our families, in our workplaces, and in our community. So my final three questions are, do we want to activate and operate in the power of the Holy Spirit? Are we satisfied with how things are? And are we actually motivated to receive the power of the Holy Spirit? Only you and God will know the answers to those questions. Do we want to activate and operate in the power of the Holy Spirit? Let's be honest with ourselves. Is that actually something we want? Or are we satisfied with how things are? And if we're not satisfied, are we motivated to receive this power? Let's stand at this time. Father, we give you all glory, we give you all honor, and we give you all praise. Thank you so much for your word that has gone forth this afternoon, dear God. And our prayer is very simple, Lord. Help us to activate that power. Help us to walk in that power. Help us to demonstrate the power in everything that we do. We understand that we cannot do it by ourselves. So we are coming to you and trusting in you. That in the same way, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit fell upon your disciples on the day of Pentecost. We are praying for a similar encounter, Holy Spirit, that will cause us to go out and change the world. Increase the measure of our faith, Lord God. Increase the measure of our want to be people of power. Help us to desire your power. Help us to yearn for your power. Help us to want it like never before. So that we can be witnesses of you. Throughout Croydon. Throughout London. And throughout this nation. Let us not be afraid because we have the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Minister Leondre, God bless you very well.